0: Oh, most holy God in heaven, can it really be? Is it really true that you have entrusted me with Messiah? How is it that, that I have been so blessed? I am so unworthy. But God, I will do my best to raise this one whom we shall call Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Oh, shalom. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I didn't realize you were here. Allow me to introduce myself to you. I am Joseph, Joseph of Nazareth. And I, I'm sorry, I, I had to step out for a moment. I could no longer contain the joy that was building inside of me, for you need to understand this is an astonishing night. This is an amazing night. For tonight, God is with us. Emmanuel is here. The Messiah is here. Oh, you wouldn't believe what a glorious night this is. You wouldn't believe all the events that have have come to this moment. And and since you're here, I I might as well tell you my story. Where should I start? I know. I will tell you of the moment I first saw her. Oh. Oh. I will never forget that night. As soon as I saw her, my, my heart nearly beat out of my, my chest. When I, when I saw her, I said to myself, "Hoy vey. Or as you might put it, ooh la la, right? I mean, her dark, shiny hair. The, the perfect complexion on her face. And, and when my eyes met her golden brown eyes, I just melted. Now I knew, I knew that many a man would long to be betrothed to Mary. But I, I was the blessed one. She was betrothed to me. Oh. Now, now listen, you need to understand, this was no mere engagement like you have today. No, to be betrothed in, in, in my day it means that you are legally married. While Mary and I did not live together, nor did we consummate our marriage yet, we were in this, in this state of, of, of legal marriage. And it, it lasted for almost a year. But I looked forward to the day of the hoopah. Doesn't that sound exciting? The hoopah! It was the marriage celebration. It was a day that I had been planning for, preparing for, looking forward to. It was a day when I would gather my family and my friends and and we would would have this processional and we would go to Mary's home. And I would would there get my Mary and I I would lead the procession now with her family included back to the house that I had been building for us. And when we got to that house we would celebrate we would rejoice festivities could last for a week but it was in that time that she became my wife and I looked forward to that day to to say that I was very happy is an understatement I was overjoyed <sighs> <Huh>. <sighs> That is until I heard the news when I first heard the news, I couldn't believe it. I thought, I thought, no way, not my Mary. My Mary is, she fears the Lord. She would not do this. She couldn't do this. How could she do this? Now, I may not be a, a, a powerful man or a rich man, or a, I might not be as learned as the, as the Pharisees, but I do desire to live according to God's holy word. I have sought to be very careful to follow my God. My greatest desire has always been to be known as a just man, a righteous man. Now some in my situation, to be sure, would have, would have drugged her out into the center square and would have publicly disgraced her. They would have out of vengeance took her and, and brought shame upon her. And I, I knew the Torah I knew what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 22, that if a woman who was betrothed to a man is found to be not a virgin, she is to be put to death. I knew that. And yet at the same time, my compassion for my Mary welled up inside of me still. And now I was a, a, a torn man. Torn between my compassion for my Mary and my devotion to my God. On the one hand, how could I publicly disgrace my Mary, my beautiful Mary? And yet on the other hand, how could I marry her and still be considered a a righteous man? And I was was torn and, and I did the only thing I knew to do. I threw up my arms and I said, God, what am I supposed to do? And just then, an idea came to me. I know what I could do, I thought. I could divorce her secretly. You see, all I needed to do was write her a certificate of divorce witnessed by two people. If I selected the right two people who would keep their mouths shut then I could secretly divorce her and she would not have to be publicly disgraced. That's what I was going to do. I was was intent on it. It was something I knew I had to do. On the one hand, however, I loved her and I wanted to be married to her and yet I wanted to be a just man and so that's what I was going to do. Although it was settled in my mind, that bed, or that, that night, and going to bed was a very difficult time. Jesus? was a very difficult time. Uh, after many hours of wrestling and, and, and restlessness, tossing and turning, I, I finally fell asleep, and then and then i got to tell you, the most amazing, the most wonderful thing happened. I had a dream. But listen, it wasn't like the normal dreams you and I might have. Like those crazy dreams, you know, like, um, l- like you dream you ate a giant marshmallow and wake up to find your pillow missing. You know, it wasn't that kind of dream. This was, this was more of a message. A message from Yahweh, from my God to me. And this message is a message that put all my conflicts and my fears to rest. You see, an angel of the Lord appeared to me and he said to me, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Oh, there it was. He was telling me it was okay to take Mary as my wife. Now on the one hand, I thought, how could he be telling me this? It goes against his own word. And yet on the other side, I if I would have been awake, I would have jumped out of my sandals for joy. He was telling me it was okay to marry my Mary. And then he went on and said, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. I knew it. I knew it. I knew that my Mary was innocent. I knew she could not do such a thing. For right then my mind raced to what the prophet Isaiah had said. He had said, behold, it's a virgin who will be with child. I knew it. I knew it. And then He went on and gave instructions to us. He said, She will bear a son, and you shall call His name Jesus. Jesus. Yahweh is salvation. That is what the name of Mary's son would be called. Yahweh is salvation. And He went on and said, For He shall save His people from their sins it's the best news I've ever heard in my entire life to be saved from your sins it doesn't get any better than that and that's what the angel told me and so so I woke up the next morning and I I knew what I must do I must obey the word of God and I took Mary as my bride and all these many months, I have, I, have, I have rejoiced over what God has been doing. And, and then wouldn't you know it, <laughs> the God led us into Bethlehem because of this, this, this census that is being taken. Even though it was time for her to give birth, I'm thanking Yahweh because He, he allowed us to get here. And even though He was born in a stable and laid in a manger... I praise my Yahweh for what He is doing in the life of this baby boy. I praise Him. He has been born. He has been born. There is nothing like holding a newborn in your arms, right? There's nothing like feeling the beating of His chest while His breath caresses your face. There's there's nothing like, like holding that baby next to your chest and all of a sudden realizing this is God. This is Emmanuel. This is the Messiah. This is the one who will save His people from their sin. Oh, what a glorious night. What a glorious night this is. Oh, you... It's been long enough. Excuse me, I I must check on my Mary and see how how baby Jesus is doing. Thank you for listening to my story. (laughs) Oh God, I still have many questions. I still don't know whether I should call him Lord because he is your son or son because he's entrusted to me to raise. Lord, I, I don't know how you're expecting me to prepare him. I'm not a teacher. And God... Will he be a king? Or is there something to this suffering servant that I read about from the prophet Isaiah? Oh God, I I don't know, but I will trust you.
2: i
0: Christmas. I'm always, I'm never around when Joseph visits. I heard you had a visitor though. This morning I want to talk to you about danger. Danger. How many of you have experienced danger? Some have intentionally experienced danger, like picking up rattlesnakes, which, in my mind, I don't think you have a brain if you do that. <laughs> but some of us, we do. We like to we like to experience danger. So, so I, our whole family—I think it's up on the screen here in a moment—our whole family had this opportunity uh, just a week ago to go to Disneyland. So there were 11 of us, including three. Young children. We had a great time. Sometimes with three young children, the time was a little trying, but it was fun to see how decorated Disneyland was and, and see the, the, the smiles on the kids' face. And, and what was really fun is putting them down for a nap. Actually, they didn't nap. Never mind. But anyway, we had a great time in Disneyland, and, 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 and while we were there, I'm bringing this up intentionally and, and for a purpose, not just to tell you we went to Disneyland, but, but while we were there, I don't know if you see in the back of this picture there, those red things there, that is a ride called the Incredicoaster. After the incredible movie. And it, it is, a, it is a, a daredevil kind of roller coaster ride. They, they tell you to, when it takes off, to put your head back against the, the seat because it takes off quite quickly. And, uh, and while you're in there, you have these things that are strapped over you. I think in a moment you'll see it. There we go. Oops. I got to just be patient because this is. Don't, don't read that. There we go. There we go. So anyway, that's, that's some of us. Now, you'll notice how cool I am. Everybody else, you know, is doing peace or the you know, hang loose sign. I do the I love you sign. That's what I do. I'm super cool. Anyway, that, that's a picture of us on the Incredi Coaster. And what you need to know is on this Incredicoaster, not only does it take off super fast, but at some point in the ride, I can't remember when, but I do remember it, you do this complete loop, or you're completely upside down. So, so you feel the G's, and anyway, whatever the ha- that does. But, but nonetheless, we had a blast. It was so much fun, because you felt like, in a, in a way, you were doing something dangerous, right? And, and it brought some, some excitement. And, and so, as you'll see, I only got to go on it once, but a couple of the people there went on it at least twice. And, and it was a, we had a great, great time. And it made me think of of danger, you know, danger. Some of us we actually do things that that are dangerous, and we like to do it for the thrill of it. Like it might be roller coaster rides, it might be hang gliding or parachuting. Um, rock climbing is a is another thing that I look at and go, "What in the world?" And, and, and so we do things that are that are somewhat dangerous on purpose. But then then there's those times that we find ourselves. In dangerous situations that we really didn't intend, right? You, you, you find yourself in a dangerous situation and, and, and all of a sudden the fear comes in. This is no longer fun fear. This is, this is horror. This is scared fear. This is, this is terrible stuff. And, 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 and now in the midst of this danger, the adrenaline goes and you're not sure what the end result is going to be. Some of those dangerous situations might really be life-threatening. And so we, we have these different dangerous situations. And then we get warned about some dangerous situations. If you've ever read, read a two liter of seven up, did you know that taking the lid off of that can be very, very dangerous? It, it's got... It's got bubbles in it, and it could shoot you and hit you in the eye. It's incredibly dangerous. There's a warning on the bottle that tells you how dangerous it is. And, and if you use a hairdryer today or a curling iron... Scott, did you... Never mind. Anyway, if, if you use the... I'm just, I'm, I'm just teasing. Love you, Scott. Anyway, if you use a hairdryer, I don't know if you read the tag. You probably just pulled the tag off and didn't even read it, but, but using electricity... We're warned. It's, it's dangerous. See, the thing is, I'm trying to let you know that in each and every day, whether we fly or we drive or we just walk outside our door, there's a possibility of, of danger. But today, I want you to know one thing. There is one thing that is more dangerous than any of the other things that you and I could talk about. There's, there's, there's nothing more dangerous... Than the consequences of our sin. The most dangerous thing we face is the consequence of our sin. Are you with me? Do you believe that? See, there, there, there's this thing in the scriptures that reveals to us how dangerous sin is. And, and the consequences of our sin is the most dangerous thing you will ever face. I mean, you might face the danger of, let's heaven forbid, but maybe cancer. It's a horrible thing, and it's a dangerous thing to face, but I want to tell you something that pales in comparison to the danger of not dealing with your sin issue. Because the consequences of our sin is much more dangerous than anything we face here on earth. Because if we don't deal with the consequence of our sin, it is a a dangerous thing that lasts for all eternity. Eternity. Can you, can you understand eternity? I can't. It freaks me out. But, but, but the truth is the Bible reveals we are eternal beings. We will live forever. But depending on how you deal with your sin determines where you will live forever. And that's why I say the most dangerous thing we face is the consequence of our sin. But here's the good news. The good news is this. Jesus Christ came to save us from our sin. He came to rescue us from our sin. It's like the angel told Joseph. Look at what it says. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for, what, or for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and listen to this, for he will save his people from their sins. You know what "save" means, right? To be rescued from danger. Yeah. And, and, and so Jesus has come to be the one who saves from sin. Now, some of you here might be looking at me going, why are you talking so much about sin today? The truth is, our culture is getting further and further away from calling sin, sin. In fact, our culture is on the verge of accepting all kinds of things. We already do accept things in our culture that the Bible calls sin. And I think we're, that just propels us even more into accepting other things that the Bible calls sin. And in our series on Credo beginning next year, we're going to talk more about this, so I give you a warning right now. But, but this morning, I just want you to know that, that we all face the sin problem. Some of you may be saying, I, I I don't. I'm a real good guy. Man, I am such a good gal. I I, I do things and, and I'm nice to people and I and I go to church and I give money to the church and I and I help people out and I'm such a nice person. And you might be thinking, I don't know why he's talking so much about sin and why he's trying to include me in it. Well, I want to tell you, the Bible says we all are sinners. The Bible says that we cannot help but to have bad thoughts, bad words, and do bad things. So let me ask you, have you done bad things? Have you said bad words? Have you had bad thoughts? Right? And we're just talking in the last five minutes, right? Right? In the last five minutes. It's like this this prayer that I heard once that... uh, I can't find. <laughs> what did I do with the first page? I don't even have the prayer. Here it is. It's like this prayer, which says, Dear Lord, are you with me? We're talking about our, that we have a sin problem. This prayer says, Dear Lord, so far I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm, I'm really glad about all that. But God, in a little bit, I'm going to get out of bed, and I'm going to need a lot of help then. Isn't that the way it is? See, each one of us has this sin problem. Each one of us understands that we have bad thoughts, we have bad words, we have bad actions. And the Bible says that to sin in one little area means you are guilty. And when we are guilty, the consequences of that guilt means that we are separated from God forever. Because Romans 6.23 says the wages or the penalty or the consequence of our sin is death and that death doesn't mean that we no longer have life we as I've said are eternal souls our souls will live for all of eternity so when the Bible says that the consequence of sin is death it's speaking of living for all of eternity separate from God who creates us and loves us in a place that the Bible calls hell a place of great torment for all of eternity See, that's why I say the most dangerous thing we face is not stuff of earth. It's not dealing with the consequence of our sin, which is death, eternal separation from God in hell. And so we come to understand this morning that we are in desperate need because of this. The Bible also says that none of us, not one person, can be good enough can say good enough things, can, can think good enough. None of us are righteous. No, not one. In fact, Isaiah tells us that all of our righteous deeds, the things that we think we do to measure up to God's holy standard, they're like filthy rags before God. See, there's nothing you and I can do on our own that deals with the consequence of our sin problem. So praise be to God, right? Right? Because the angel said he will save his people from their sins. Our sin problem is taken care of when Jesus came over 2,000 years ago. Because you see, you need to understand, 33 years after Jesus was born, he died. He died on a cross. It was was a normal Roman execution on a cross, but His death was anything but normal. Jesus died as the one and only Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He died as the perfect Lamb of God, the only one who could die in our place. And so by His death, We can be saved. In His death, we can have life eternal with God. Because the Bible says our sin problem requires a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, the people understood that. They understood that every time they sinned, they needed to go get an animal and they needed to sacrifice that animal, shedding that animal's blood because God taught that it is in the shedding of blood that's where the forgiveness of sin is. But the problem with that is you had to do this continuously. You thought a bad thought. Uh-oh, i got to take care of that. i got to go shed the blood of an animal in sacrifice. But the problem is that, wasn't, that was good only for the past sins that we committed. And as soon as we had another bad thought, guess what? We were guilty before God again. But the Bible says Jesus came as this perfect once-for-all sacrifice on our behalf. He shed His blood once and for all so that our sin problem can be dealt with. And the proof is in His resurrection. Jesus died as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, but He rose as the victor over sin and death. And so when we look to Jesus, we see... Only in Him, no other, one who has conquered sin. He is the only one who can deal with our sin problem. He is the only one whose blood can take care of our sin problem. And so you remember in Acts, when the apostles are asked this simple question, and I want you to ask this question this morning, what must I do to be saved? And the idea is, what must I do to be saved from this sin problem? Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. See, we have a sin problem that we can't deal with. We can't take care of on our own. We can't be good enough. But the Bible says Jesus died in our place. He became for us the one who saves us from this deadly danger of our sins. He, and only He, is the one who can bring salvation to you And to me. And some of you here today, I know you've already put your faith and trust in Jesus. You've already come to that point, but some of you, I don't know that well. And I don't know if you've trusted in Jesus. And my heart's prayer and cry for you today is that you would come to know Jesus as your Savior. As the one who has taken care of your sin problem. As the one who has died on the cross and risen again victorious over sin and death so that if you would believe in Him, trust in Him this moment, right here, right now, you would find your sins completely forgiven once and for all. Once and for all. And you will not face any more the danger of the consequence of your sin. Because Jesus came to save us from the deadly danger of our sins. I'm going to invite you right now to, to just do three quick things in your heart. The Lord knows you can say this in the quietness of your own heart, but I would encourage you three things. Number one, if you haven't done this already, admit that you have a sin problem. Don't be like the rest of America, which is saying, oh, we're fine. I was born this way. Everything's fine. This, that, and the other thing, and I can't help it, and whatever excuses they want to give. Listen, the Bible doesn't allow for any excuses. All of us are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. Will you today come to that point where you admit it? I'll admit it. It's true of me. Secondly, Will you believe that Jesus is the only one who can save you from the consequence of your sin? And thirdly, will you personally receive Him as your Savior? Will you invite Him into your heart and life today? Will you say, not only do I believe because the demons believe, but I receive Him as my Savior. I want Him to be my Savior. Let's bow our heads in prayer as the worship team comes back up. Father God... We are so grateful for what the angel announced to Joseph, that Jesus will save his people from their sin. And Father, I pray that each one of us in this place would not be so full of pride that we would not see the truth in what your word says, but that we would humble ourselves this morning and admit we have a sin problem. And the consequences of that sin problem is for all of eternity. And so, Lord, I pray thank you that you sent your son Jesus on that first Christmas night. I thank you that he came into this world for the purpose of dying for our sins and rising again on the third day, proving that he alone is victorious over sin. And I would pray for those in this place right now, Father God, who you are drawing to yourself who have never come to that point and admitted that they're sinners, who have never put their faith and trust in Jesus after believing that He is the only answer. I pray right now, dear friend, that if that is you, that right now you would just say, I admit it, I'm a sinner. I do believe that Jesus died for me and rose again. And I accept Him. I receive Him. I want Him to come into my life as the only one who can save me from my sin problem. Father, for those of us that have done that in this place today, may this Christmas be an opportunity for us to look through our life and ask, how are we doing with you? Father, may we look to this new year with renewed vigor to follow you and like Joseph, to be considered just and righteous before you. Lord, we love you and we give you praise and thanks for your love for us and for sending Jesus.
3: broke the grave, our Um. hope returned, the lost are saved.
1: Word of the Father, and we thank you, Lord, for your humility to come as a baby, as a child, a human child, Lord, and to grow and to do wonderful things for people. And then ultimately, Lord, to take all of the sin and brokenness and selfishness of every human being and the brokenness of this entire world upon yourself on the cross. God, we give you all the praise, and we can't imagine the pain that you endured. On behalf of the world and we thank you God that we don't have to bear that burden but you bore it for us we thank you Lord also that you are strong strong enough to take on all that sin and death and to conquer it like a mighty lion and raise from the death uh, from death from the grave and we thank you Lord also for giving us your spirit the very same spirit that rose you from the grave your presence here with us today we thank you that you are here in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Real quick, before we sing this last song, we're going to go out with joy. But I just I didn't get a chance to wish you a Merry Christmas. And when I wish you a Merry Christmas, what I mean by that is a Christmas that is continuing in worship of the one true Jesus, the one Lamb of God who takes away our sins. So I, I just wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas, say I love you, and even more than me, he loves you. Okay, let's sing. Amen. <laughs>
2: Joy to the world, the Lord.